well, we've spent our entire lives wondering, but this is what 2020 looks and feels like, right? Is it true of all the things that we love about the beginning of a new year, the thing that probably charges us up the most is this connection between a new year and a new start. It's like a bowl of lucky charms. It's almost magical. Like there's something about like fireworks going off in the city and a, and a big ball dropping in Times Square that leads you and I to believe that these next 12 months really can be different than the last 12 months, although for the most part, nothing around us has really changed. I mean, most of us woke up on December 1st living in the same house that we lived in on December 31st. Uh, we're driving the same car, going the same route to the same old job with the same old boss, and come mid-May, that's probably exactly how we're going to feel about it, but not today, because today is January when, when that clock struck midnight on Tuesday night, for many of us, we would say the calendar wasn't the only thing that changed. Like for, for us, we said our motivation changed as well. Like for a lot of folks, that motivation and that change, is all, it's all wrapped up in numbers. It's all about making the numbers on the scale go down, the numbers in the savings account um, go up. So tomorrow, all across this great land of ours, People are going to walk into the four walls of the gym that they've been funding since last January. And for, for some of them, for some of you, it's going to be to work out. For others, it's going to be to cancel the membership so that your new budget will work out. When people think about resolutions, sometimes they funnel into the categories of uh, start and stop. You know, some things I want to start doing, there's some things I want to stop doing, and that looks like, a, you know, for some people, it's bad habits and, and, and starting some new healthier habits. For some of you, it might help explain why you're here today. Like church was one of those things that fell into the start column for you. It's like, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, and then I'm going to hit the gym on Monday. And as Donnie mentioned earlier, we are glad you decided to do that. For other people, those, those words at the top of the two columns aren't start and stop as much as they are more and less. You know, we're saying we're going to cook more meals at home and spend less time in the drive-thru. Anybody making that resolution? It's just, uh, okay, there's five of us. Yeah, we're winning. Uh, more time at home, less time in the drive-thru. More, you know, time outside, uh, less time with Netflix or Instagram or well, whatever the thing is that takes up all your time, and on and on and on and on we could go with resolutions and changes. The point, though, is this. You already know this. This year, we're all going to give our lives to something. But the question is, is that something going to give you life? This year, we're all going to give our lives to something. We're all going to work towards something. We're going to plan for something. We're going to run after something. But is that something that we're going to work towards and plan towards and be disciplined towards? Is that, in the end, going to produce life in the fullest, perhaps deepest sense of the word? Because here's what we all know, or sooner or later, we all bump up against. It's that you can be fit physically, and at the same time, you can be a wreck relationally and emotionally. We've all experienced the truth that at times you, you can have money in the bank and, and yet simultaneously have no peace in your heart. You can make it to the vacation destination. And while you're parked in your chair letting the tide roll in, you can at the same time feel as though you're not making it anywhere when it comes to meaning, when it comes to purpose. So this year, this year's new. 
But this place, it's not new for us. Come on, we've all been here. We've planned, we've, we've made goals, we've, we've set agendas, we've, 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 we've worked out a script for our life. But will it, in the end, actually produce the kind of life you're hoping to find? So what I want to do today is I want to begin a different conversation. I want to introduce you to a different set of resolutions that in the middle of the, you know, the, the thousand other things that we're going to pursue this year, which is perfectly fine, I want us to spend the next six weeks talking about some resolutions that I think will actually produce this life that, that we're hoping for. And the reason I can say that with such certainty is because these things aren't rooted in uh, my personal opinion. Uh, you probably won't find them on a Google search in terms of top 10 resolutions. In fact, in, in so many ways, they're, they're countercultural. These words, these resolutions, are, are, they're rooted in the, in the words of Jesus. In the Bible, this is what we see as the red letters, thus our series, Red Letter Resolution. Over the next 40 days, uh, our pastoral staff, our teaching team, we're going to do everything we can do to encourage you, uh, to motivate you, to inspire you, to begin to live out the words of Jesus, in some cases, in other cases, to continue to live out the words of Jesus in the areas of life that matter most. Because we believe a pursuit like this, not only does it produce life in us, but it actually makes us better at life. So over the next six weeks, we're going we're to talk about a variety of, of different things. One of the things we're going to talk about, uh, for example, is forgiving. You want to lose weight in 2020. Just think. Think about what your life would be like if you lost all the excess baggage from, from the bitterness and the resentment and the pain of the past that, that you find so difficult to let go of. And it would be one thing if it just affected us, but we know that, that unforgiveness, it, it has a way of rearing its ugly head in, in some way in just about every relationship that we come in contact with. So, so we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about it. And then we're going to lean hard into it and see if we can somehow uh, learn to let go and finally be free. Uh, next week, Donnie's going to lead a conversation talking about how we can live well through serving well. Because reality for many of us is, is we spend the, the most of our life uh, trying to climb some predetermined ladder in our mind to reach a place where uh, we spend um, uh, less time answering and more time being answered to. And somewhere in the middle of that journey, we forget the larger purpose of the influence that we've been given. That in the upside down ways of Jesus, Jesus said, hey, I'm telling you, there's more life to be found in, in, in serving than there is in being served. So we're going to talk about what it looks like to step into that awkward kind of space that exists outside of personal ambition and aspiration and step into the needs and the lives of others. Now, those are just two of the things that we're going to talk about. But but just imagine, just stop for just a second and imagine. Imagine if we just got those two things right. If we just said, hey, you know what, this year I am letting go of the pain of the past. I am going to lean in to the needs of others in the now. Think about how different your 2020 and my 2020 would be. And I won't speak for you, but I've got issues. I mean, I have a wife and some kids that remind me all the time, hey, you've got, you've got issues. I've got issues. And so if the reality of the situation is this year, I'm going to give my life to something. And the question is, is that something going to give me life? I look at these two things and I go, yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. But like just about every other resolution that we have on our list for life in 2020, 
If we're not careful, our, our desire, our aspiration for it will get swallowed up by our apprehension to even get started. So what I want to do today with the few minutes that we have left is I want to try to encourage you to say yes to this red letter invitation. And I want to do that through one of the very first red letter invitations that we come in contact with in all the New Testament. So if you have a Bible or would prefer to pull one up on your phone or tablet and follow along, you can do that this morning in the New Testament book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter Nine. If you're new to church or you're new to uh, Bible study, it's about three quarters of the way through, um, through the Bible. And if that seems like way too perplexing and causes too much angst, then we're going to put the words up on the screen so you can follow along there. What I want to do this morning is to, for some of you, remind you, for others, uh, maybe make you aware of how this journey started for one of the most notable followers of Jesus um, of all time. I want you to see... I pray you see all that hangs in the balance when we make a first step or in some cases a next step in the direction of Jesus's red letter invites. Check this out together. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 9. This is Matthew telling his own story. Pretty neat. He says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. I told you this morning, I, I want to do what I can do to help you say yes to this red letter invite. And I want to do that like quite literally. I'm going to give this to you in the form of an acrostic. Y-E-S. Just trying to help you out, motivate you, inspire you, make it memorable. Saying yes to Jesus's invitation to us. So we'll start with the, the why. The why is simply this. You start where you are. You start where you are. And I would add, regardless of who you are. We see this in Matthew's story. I mean, you see it all throughout the New Testament, but it's so prevalent in Matthew's story. Matthew, right there in verse 9, he says, As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew, which Matthew would say, that's me, by the way, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Matthew, just, in just a few short words, tells us a whole lot about his life. In other words, he's saying, hey guys, just so you know, the day I met Jesus, I wasn't sitting on a cedar bench inside a synagogue uh, singing praises to our Heavenly Father. I, I was actually sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, culturally, this has uh, tons and tons of bearing to it, uh, but, but just for our purposes today, I, I want you to think for just a second about how you feel about the tax collector booths of our society. Anybody just get pumped up to go take care of the registration on your car? I mean, you just can't wait. Anybody say, oh, a tax bill. I hope I'm number 392 in line like I was last time. Like, this is amazing. No, we'd rather have the flu than go to the tax office. And for all the angst that we feel about it, these folks in the first century in Jesus' day, they, they felt even more. 
because it was even worse for them. You see, not by choice, but probably because they didn't have one. The Jewish people in the first century, they lived under the power and the rule and the authority of Rome. Rome itself was uh, overpopulated and underemployed, and and grain was kind of the primary uh, commodity of the time. And so they thought, you know what, we're just going to police the world. We're going to overpower this. We're going to control everything. It would be as if Canada all of a sudden decided, you know what, we like the United States. Let's just, by, by force, let's just annex this. And they changed all of our rules and all of our laws, but they didn't change our taxes. In fact, our taxes went up. And although today um, we pay taxes for things that we can see and drive on and, and, and touch at times, uh, but, but imagine if all of a sudden our tax burden, what we paid, was, was being sent north and we didn't even see the benefits of it anymore. That's what it was like. In the eyes of a Jew, a tax collector, was the, they represented the worst of the worst of society. Here's what this looked like. The Roman government would typically, when it, when it came to taxes, they would auction off the right to collect taxes. And, and so those who won the bid, primarily the, the upper echelon of society, uh, they would, in turn, uh, take this and they would change the tax burden. It differed as people uh, differ. But here, here's what's the deal. But what they would do is and they would go to one individual and say, hey, you owe this much in taxes, or in, and another individual would say, hey, you owe this much, and those numbers would, would vary um, pretty widely because they knew that they only had to give a portion of that to Rome. Like, they would give Rome what Rome wanted, and then they could just line their pockets with the rest. And so these people who won these bids would go into these areas, and they would hire out the local citizens to do the legwork for them. So you can imagine the tension and the frustration when, when a Jew would basically turn his back, shun all of his fellow Jews to take a job collecting taxes, extorting his people for the sake of the Roman government. In this one short verse in Matthew 9.9, Matthew lets us know, hey, I was that guy. That was me. I wasn't winning at anything. I, didn't, I wasn't winning with friends. I I wasn't winning with myself. I certainly wasn't winning with God. Now, that is important, especially in light of these two red-letter words we read next. Jesus looks at Matthew collecting taxes at his tax collector booth, and he says, follow me. It's like, whoa, 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 Jesus, hold on just a second. Do you, hmm, do you know who you're talking to? I mean, I hear son of God, son of man, I I get who you think you are. But if you knew that, then you would know this guy is not the guy you're looking for. This guy's not religious. He's a hypocrite. Uh, He's a pagan. He's a traitor. And I'm guessing Matthew, if that conversation were, were to take place, Matthew probably wouldn't argue with any of it. Have you ever felt like that? You ever been in a situation where, where the standard, just, it just seemed so high and you felt so other than? It's, it's, for me, it's sort of like every time I get in Donnie's truck. Donnie, our executive pastor, for as long as I've known Donnie, he, he keeps his car or his truck in immaculate condition. You know, people like this, it's like their vehicle's always for sale. I, I get in and, and uh, I'm looking around and Donnie has, you know, vacuum stripes in the, in the carpet <laughs> There's no dust on the dashboard, no trash or candy in the cup holders. You can take a deep breath and breathe in that new car leather scent. 
And I'm sitting in Donnie's truck, and whether we're riding to lunch or make a hospital visit, I just find myself just getting disgruntled with life because I'm thinking like, <laughs> man, Donnie's, Donnie's car smells like new leather. And my car smells like family. <laughs> like, I know without even looking, like, we, we have a minivan, and uh, like, I don't even have to go back there to know there's some half-eaten chicken nuggets stashed away somewhere. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I found a half-eaten Chick-fil-A sandwich. That was almost heretical. We have candy jammed down in the, in the cup holders. There's Legos that's, that's stuck in between the seats. I mean, it's a mess, and it, it's such a, such a deal that I've, I've noticed, like, when I tell my family now, like, hey, I think I'm going to run down to the car wash and wash off the van and clean it out, my wife, like, she immediately tells kids, okay, go inside, kids. Everybody go inside. Because I get out there, and it starts well. You know, I'm just like, hey, guys, uh, hey, you need to remember, take your trash out with you, you know, like this cup. You know, sure, put it in the trash can. And then 10 minutes later, my face is red. The veins are popping out of my head. Who left the unopened starburst in the cup holder? Don't you know what a hundred degree heat will do to a starburst in a cup holder? I'm like, trying to get out. And so I got issues when it comes to that. And here's the thing. Part of it is like, why can't we do better than this? And it's one thing when that's your car. It's one thing when that's your house. But it's a different thing altogether when that's your life. So hear me out. When we talk about this red letter resolution thing, if you're somebody who goes, you know what, <laughs> honestly, Kevin, I, I've tried to spend a significant amount of time in recent days creating some space between me and God because of things like that, because of the messiness of my life. I want you to know, I get that. If you're somebody who said, you, you know, I've, I've, I've walked down this Jesus road before, and to be honest with you, I, I've never made it very far. And so if I started again, this wouldn't be like a, a second time or a third time. This would be like a 2,000 and second time or 22,000 times later. And I, I just don't know if I have it in me to start again. Or maybe, maybe for you, you're somebody who's, you're like Matthew. You feel like you're completely on the other side of the fence looking in and, and everybody else is trying to find answers to questions you're not even asking because the question for you is, is this even true? Like, is this even real in the first place? Say so for all those scenarios and perhaps a hundred others just like them, I want you to hear me out. Jesus's invitation to Matthew, it wasn't predicated on past performance. Goodness, I think you could even make a case that Jesus' invitation to Matthew didn't even hinge on the fact that he was fully convinced that Jesus was the Savior of the world and the Son of God. It was simply a start where you are, regardless of who you are kind of thing. So when it comes to this red letter resolution, I want you to know that for some of you, the starting ramp for you, uh, it may be a continuation of what you've already been doing. For others, the start may look like a restart from something that you once did or you tried once upon a time. For others of you, this may feel like more of a, of a test run or, or a trial. What I mean by that is, is if you're you know, trying to, hey, look, I'm son of God, son of man, I, I haven't even really resolved that in my heart, then you could just consider this, your 40-day money-back guarantee free trial, to give it a shot, to see if there's anything to this thing 
to chase after this with these six weeks of your life and see if it does, in fact, produce life. To say yes, it begins when you start where you are. Now that sounds, I don't know about you, I won't speak for you, but that sounds super inviting. Like, okay, so, so the, not a whole lot of prerequisite here, just start where you are, but what we discover in this E, it's a little bit more sobering. The E is expect opposition. Expect opposition. As you move from where you are, more in the direction of where you want to be and hope to be, you should expect opposition. Look at how this played out in Matthew's life. In verse 10, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've come to call the righteous, not to call the righteous, but, but sinners. Like, this is Matthew saying, hey, hey, listen, um, you would think that after making these initial steps to follow Jesus, you, you would think that would be met with some sort of applause, like, woohoo, the tax collector is following the Jewish rabbi. He said, but, but it was, actually it was quite the opposite. That this proposition that Jesus offered me, it, it was met with opposition because the Pharisees, the sort of re religious elite of the day, the, the do-gooders who kept all the rules or pretended they did and tried to keep everybody in check and honest about themselves, they went to Jesus' disciples and they said, hey, what's this we hear about your, your rabbi eating with tax collectors? Like, come on, it's bad enough that he would talk to these people, but, but going to their house? tax collectors and sinners. I love this because Matthew points out that he and his crew, it was like they had their own category. There was tax collectors and then there were sinners and there's Jesus in the room with the whole hee-haw gang. And, 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 and we would think, we would imagine that religious people might look at this and go, hey, maybe God is up to something. The tax collector invited the Jewish rabbi to his house, and then all his tax collecting buddies are coming in, and we know all the angst that this causes in our culture, but may, maybe something's going to change here. But, but instead of focusing on what could be, we see that the Pharisees spent all their time reminding everyone of what was. In other words, Matthew, you're not a follower. You're a tax collector. You're a sinner. I know it almost goes without saying. But listen, change in virtually all shapes and sizes, it's almost always met with opposition, right? Like I see this all the time when I'm talking to couples on the front end of marriage. I look at the stars in their eyes and they're thinking change. This change is going to be amazing. The, the bride-to-be, she's thinking about the day that's coming the groom-to-be is thinking about the honeymoon. Change is in the air. And, and whereas on the front side, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, the day and the time and what time you want the pastor there and how many pictures and how long is that going to take. And then we're going to dive down into life and, and, and relationship and, and, and duties in marriage and who's doing what. Before we ever, ever get to that, they're just thinking, no, 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 this is going to be all good. And I'm spending all my time going, oh, yeah. And this is going to be really, really hard as well. 
And they're going, oh, yeah, 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 we, 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 know, we know. I was like, no, no, you, listen, you have no idea. And it's not that marriage isn't amazing. It, it is. I'm, we're, Laurie and I are going on 22 years, and that's more testament to her than me. But it's hard. Change in virtually every shape and form is met with opposition, even when it's good change. Because sometimes we all discover what Taylor Swift reminded us of. Sometimes a hater is going to hate, 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 hate. You ever, you ever been there like where you're going to make some changes in your life and they're good things, like it's not really even up for debate, but you just know, hey, I'm going to shed some of these pounds, you know, doctor's been on me for a while, and so you decide here's the weight loss plan that I'm going, I'm getting back to the gym, and you tell some people about it who are supposed to be real excited for you, who think they're going to hold me accountable, man, they're going to cheer me on, and they just kind of look at you like, mm, good luck with that. You ever had that kind of experience? Ask it for a friend. Like, anybody? <laughs> so imagine. Imagine you go, you know, okay, I don't even really know what this red letter resolution thing is all about, but it'd be, yeah, sure, I'm in. Well, you could expect, I think at a minimum, if this is new to you, to hear somebody say, you're doing what with your Sundays? You're going where? Hmm. Interesting. You're reading what? You're, oh, now you're following Who? <laughs> okay, I get it. Kanye West and then you. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, I, I get that. So hear me out. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. Even if you just say, hey, I'm diving in for six weeks. I can't make no promises after that. I'm not, I'm not telling you it's going gonna, it's gonna to be. There is nothing easy about deciding that I'm going to live this life learning how to forgive instead of just holding on to grudges and, and allowing that bitterness to control me. There's nothing easy about letting go of your sad story. Nothing easy about it. There's nothing easy about saying, you know what? I'm not going to live this life for me. Sure, I have some things that I want, but I want to leverage my influence. I want to leverage my time, my talent, my finances. I want to I lean into the needs of someone else. That's not easy. So we're not promising a, a, an easy, wrinkle-free, trouble-free, problem-free, uh, unsolicited, critique-free journey. That's not the case at all. It's not easy. I'm only telling you that in the end, I think you'll discover it's worth it. In the end, I think you'll discover, you know what? What Jesus had to say about forgiveness? Better way. What Jesus had to say about investing in others? Yeah, it really is. It really is better. What Jesus had to say about generosity is better. I think you'll discover I love what the New Testament writer Paul, what he wrote about when it comes to this stuff. You talk, talk about a guy who started where he was and faced opposition all along the way. Paul was that guy. And one day he, he wrote in this letter that we refer to as the New Testament book of Galatians. He wrote in Galatians chapter 6 these words. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. And we go, well, yeah, that sounds amazing. That's a very churchy thing to say don't grow tired of doing good but one day it hit me why would Paul write that like doesn't everyone know we shouldn't grow tired of doing good I thought well maybe Paul knows what it's like to grow tired of doing good you don't have to raise your hand but can you relate you ever got tired of doing the right thing you say well this doesn't seem to be getting me anywhere is anybody really even paying attention Nobody cares about this, so why should I care about this? Paul says, hey, I'm telling you, don't grow weary in doing good. 
For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. I love these next words. If you don't give up. You know what he's saying? It's not easy. But in the end, it's worth it. You start where you are, regardless of who you are. You expect opposition along the way. And as Paul leads us right into the S, stay the course. You stay the course. So Jesus issues this two-word invitation to Matthew. Follow me. And it changed his life. Matthew pushed back from his tax-collecting table, and he went on a journey that was so other than anything he had ever experienced before. He spent the rest of his life telling people about this God who had called him and asked him to follow him in spite of who he was, in spite of where he was. Really, it's no small wonder why Matthew's gospel would be the gospel that would include those infamous words of Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples because that's exactly what Matthew did. This is the thing that he didn't just give his life to. It's the thing that he ultimately gave his life for. Letting everyone else know. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy to think that um, a... uh, a despised tax collector from the first century would today be a guy that we'd name our kids after. T- today, he, he's, a, he's a guy who has cathedrals named after him. We, we've taken what we believe is his image. We've turned it into a statue. We've placed it all over the world. And I would tell you, Matthew had no idea. He had no idea all that hung in the balance when he pushed back from the table and took Jesus up on his red letter invite to follow. And you know what? Neither do we. We sit here today, we have goals, we have dreams, we have plans, but we will never experience the reality of them until we say yes, until you start where you are, regardless of who you are. That you expect that you're going to face opposition along the way. But you determine in your heart, I'm going to stay the course. Are there other things you can give your life to in 2020? Of course there are. Millions and millions of other options. But I just ask you to consider this statement that we started with. This year, we're all going to give our life to something question is, is that something? Is it going to give you life? If you come along the journey with us, I think you'll see, as many of us have seen and experienced before, the answer is yes. I pray it's true of you as well. Would you bow with me? So God, here we are again, the start of a another year, the beginning of another week. Tomorrow, first Monday of the new year, it represents a lot of new things for so many of us. And God, I I just pray that what you desire for us wouldn't be an exception. 
God, I realize that for many of us, we, we sit here and uh, it's just a nice reminder of what you've invited us into. I thank you for these saints of God who have been an example, even for me, to live well and serve well and give well and love well. I pray that you would encourage their hearts and spur them on. God, I pray for the man or the woman that sits here today and this just reminds them of a, of a camp thing that they did as a teenager. Reminds them of being a kid, eight, nine years old, asking Jesus into their heart. But they look at where they're at today and it just feels like that feels a million miles away. God, I pray your invitation would ring true to them all over again. Start where you are, regardless of who you are. And for the man or the woman that's just completely other than, they're wrestling with the question, is it true? Was this guy really the son of God? God, somehow by your spirit, I pray that you grant them the strength taste and see and discover you meant what you said when you told us you'd come to give us life life to the full that's what we desire today it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things Amen. I invite you to stand to your feet Clint's going to lead us in a song that's sort of the mantra for today that we want to build our life on the foundation Jesus Christ.